So, um, first of all, I want to say thanks to David. Uh, great job, brother. And yes, as he mentioned, we're, tra- we're going to be traveling through uh, 1 Corinthians from starting today, and the team will, will be presenting it. Um, for a communion thought, I know that, that I think there's some here that when we do communion together and, and we have it, you know, you appreciate it, you appreciate being here, but you just don't feel worthy. The idea of feeling worthy and going and taking communion and, you know, um, I, I want to just say this. None of us are worthy. And what makes us, what helps us be, is going up. When every, every time I, I put communion in my hands, and I, I'm one that takes, takes communion every Sunday because we, we have it up there every Sunday. Um, but this is such an opportunity where I can confess, Lord, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel worthy to do this. But because of what you've done, you've made me worthy. And in the name of Jesus, with the step of faith, I am stepping into this covenant that you provided for me. And as Dave said, we, we do that corporately as we come together. And, we, and, and anytime you take communion, I, I would suggest to all of us, anytime we take communion, we're doing it as the body. Whether you're doing it together or separate, because it says, this is my body. And we're all part of that. So I just want to encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity and do not, and this is very important, do not allow guilt, shame to keep you from the table of God. Don't allow that. And I'll tell you what, we have an adversary, I'll talk a little bit about him, that loves to use guilt, shame. And the idea, and and in our society, we honor perfection, right? Just go to the newsstand and look at a magazine. We honor perfection. Jesus honors his creation. Okay? So I I just felt the Lord wanted me to encourage you in that manner, and please be encouraged. The other thing is, just to help you kind of see the movement of God around us in small things, um, this, this Rembrandt, this is a Rembrandt uh, painting. That's not the painting. <laughs> Lord knows I wished it was. We'd be in a new building uh, that would be paid for. Um, it's of the prodigal son, Luke 15, or the lost son, depending. Um, and this actually is in St. Petersburg. The painting is actually about eight feet wide and eight feet high. It's huge. And um, this particular painting means a lot to me. Uh, about 10 years ago, I read a book of an author. His name is Henry Nowen who wrote a book just on that painting and, uh, about the prodigal son. But just to give you the movement of God, 
Uh, I bought the poster. I wanted something a little larger up there that, fit, I, that I felt that fits the stage. Some had some colors, something also that had some biblical you know, meaning and those kinds of things. And I know I didn't ask permission. I just did it because I get to do that sometimes. <laughs> and uh, so I, I bought a lo- what I felt like this large poster and then we had it framed. But I, when I put it up, I had no idea that Jacob was going to speak on it. So the day he spoke on it, it was there. <laughs> cool, right? Somebody can, that's pretty cool. Okay, I'm just letting you know that it, it, the movement of God. That was God. Small things like that. And I want to encourage you to recognize that there is movements just like that around all of us all the time, all the time, God is is relentless for you. So um, I want to begin by by just laying this a biblical foundation as we move towards First Corinthians. The Scripture says, and you, most of us know this Scripture. If you don't, um, I'm going to give it to you. John three sixteen for the. For this is how God loved the world. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. What a promise, right? What a promise. So every time, going back, every time you break, every time you come into this place of communion, you are, this is being represented in that covenant. God sent his son into the world Not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, most of us really have a good handle of judgment. Most of us have a great handle on how to judge. And most of us know what it feels like to be judged, right? I don't have to spend any time on that. You have great experience in that. But then, you know, here, John 3.16. In the beginning, as... All right. Thank you very much. Um, so God reaches out. He reaches out. And we talked about, you know, journey with Jesus and Jesus being baptized by John. And immediately after he was baptized by John, he fasted 40 days and he had an encounter with Satan. And we don't talk a lot about Satan. I believe the scripture when it says, be simple of concerning evil, but be wise about darkness, as we would read in uh, Ephesians 5 and 6. But he has this encounter with Lucifer. And Lucifer says to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And now this is important. Recognize how Jesus responded. But Jesus said, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word. Now, kind of mentally put a mental mark there. Every word out of the mouth of God. And then he moves on. And then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are truly who you say you are, that's what he's saying. If you're really him. If you're really him, jump off. 
takes them to a high point. He says, jump off. Jump off. Because Satan says, for the scripture says, he will order the angels to protect you and they will hold you up in their hands. This is Satan knowing the scripture. So you won't even be hurt, you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. And Jesus responded, you must not test the Lord your God. Every word, and you must not test God. Oh, but he wasn't done there. Then the devil takes him to a high peak where he can see all of the land around him, all of the creation. And he says, it's in my power to hand this over to you. And if you will worship me, I will give it to you. And he goes on, he says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him, only him. We must serve only him. And he's given us his word. He said that life is more than bread. And he said they must, and as we read in John, John 4, we must worship him in his spirit and in truth. Then, he, then Jesus went on as he, as he was traveling. And this is out of the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. Or as he was just communicating to those around him. He says, don't misunderstand why I've come. This is what Jesus said. Now remember, he goes from John. John baptizes him. Then he goes and he's fasting. And then for 40 days, he's tempted by the devil. And he gives us an example of how we can, how we can resist. How we can resist. And then he says, in John, uh, excuse me, Matthew 5, 7, he says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I have come to abolish the law. I have not come, I have not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I have come to fulfill them. I have come to complete them. I have come. So no longer it's the Ten Commandments. It's the Beatitudes. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because they're all there. They're all there. I have come, in the scriptures, in the volume of the books, and I have fulfilled all of them. Jesus would go on and say, um, you have read this, or you've heard it said, but I say to you, in other words, bringing completion to all of it. He did not come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. And so understanding as Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law. He came to complete it. He came so that you and I might have this, going back to this intimate, vibrant, personal relationship with the Son of God. And then we move on, and if you read John 15, as you're thinking about John 15, there in John 15, it says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. In other words, if the world resists you, if the people around you resist what you believe, remember they resisted Jesus. That's what he's saying. Now, 
we, persecution to us is, oh, you're a Jesus freak. I am so hurt by that. Oh, I won't be able to work the rest of the week. Or, you know, look, early on I worked construction. I built homes. And, you know, they're, they're kind of like roughnecks. They're like oil rigger. All these guys, they're all the same. They all think they're tough. They all think they're bad. They all think, woo-woo. You know, I was a part of that. And they loved teasing me. I mean, grossly, because they knew I was a follower of Christ. And I would just sit there and smile at them. I'd rather be me than you. <laughs> I mean, I'd tell them that. I'd rather be me than you. I know how you've lived. I've been there. Freedom is a great thing. But here's the caveat to that. There's a reason I'm saying this. When tragedy came to them, they would seek me out in private and ask me, Daryl, why is this happening? They would seek me out and say, Daryl, how am I supposed to deal with this? And it would just create opportunity for me. And, and it also showed me, yeah, they like teasing me because they're construction workers and they tease everybody. Um, but the truth is, I am making an impact because of who I am in Christ. Because of who I am in Christ. And that really helped me. But then here in John 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. Isn't that a powerful thing to understand that the God of heaven is befriending you and I? And he said, we're going to walk together. We're going to walk arm in arm. We're going to walk hand in hand. And Because a servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but I am going to let you know what the master... I'm going to let you know what I'm doing. I'm going to let you in on it. I am going to let you in on it. and I, I, That's good news, right? So in other words, we can talk a little bit about this too, but in other words, you don't have to go to the priest. So what are you saying? I'm the temple. I'm the temple is what Jesus is saying. I am the completion. You come to me. You come to me for your needs. That's just why, and he goes on, as you know, towards the end of all the Gospels, as as Dave said earlier, have an account of the Lord's Supper. You come to me. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. This is the new covenant. It's not existent in temples any longer. I fulfilled the law. I'm the law. Think about that. That's what he's saying. I'm the law. I'm the New Testament. I'm the covenant. And then, as you read through the gospel, no, as you, through, as you read through John especially, we have what are called the I Ams. And Jesus, as we're moving in, as we're, as we're living this life, this life as a follower of Christ, as a, a life of a... a, of a, a, a a, a, a wounded soldier, if you will, a, that has daily difficulties and go on. Jesus would say, I'm the bread of life. Remember what he said? Man doesn't live by bread alone. And now he says, in Matthew 4, now he says, I'm the bread of life. He goes on and says, I'm also the light of the world. 
He also said in Matthew, remember, that you are the light of the world. He says, I'm the light of the world. Why? What does that mean? He shines through us. He lives through us. He exists through us. And he goes on, I am the door of the sheep. In other words, what he's saying here is, says, I'm, I'm, and he goes on to say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. I'm the door. There is no other door. I hate, you know, I know it kind of makes us nervous when we start talking in exclusive terms. There is no other way to God. There's great philosophies out, and we'll talk about that as we enter into the life of, of Corinth. But he goes, I'm the resurrection. I am the resurrection and life. Jesus is relentless towards you and I. Jesus is relentless towards people. And maybe this might be helpful for you. I know it helps me. But everybody I come encounter with, and this is a change of heart. Everybody that I get to speak to, I see as, as a gift to me to introduce them to Jesus if they don't know them. And I have to think of them that way because I'm very sarcastic and opinionated by nature. I know you can't relate to that. <laughs> but I'll take the bullets for you. By nature, that's what I see first. And I've really had to, I've struggled with that and asked the Lord to help me with that. And, be, and here's a good prayer for you. Lord, help me to love the things you love. The desert fathers and mothers uh, have what they call breath prayer. And breath prayer is standardly goes, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, let me give you another breath prayer. Lord, help me to love the things you love. So when you come up to somebody and you're feeling all this negativity and negative emotions and all this stuff, Lord, help me to love the things you love. Help me love this person as you love this person. You know what we call that? We call that followers of Christ. And if you really want to get it steeped biblically, we call it discipleship. Following Christ, disciple, becoming lifelong learners. Jesus would say to you and I, you are the light of the world, so shine. He would say that to us. So this morning as we turn to 1 Corinthians, and if you have your Bibles or, or on your phone, go ahead and turn there. Corinthians was established, the church in Corinthians was established on Paul's second missionary journey. He's writing the book from Ephesus. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Paul. You'll see there in Acts 9, on what is called the road to Damascus, as David talked about earlier, he has this encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Before he has this encounter, he was a, a Jewish rabbi, a Pharisee, who persecuted the church. You can read that in Acts uh, 7 and 8. And he, he got commissioned to go and, and place Christians of the, what they call the way, the religious sects, sect, the Christian people, the followers of Christ, and place them under arrest. And so he had this paperwork so he could do that. And so he's going off 
with them, and he has this encounter where he is knocked off his horse, knocked off his horse, with this blazing light in front of him, right there with, with his entourage, and he's smart enough to say, what is going on? Who, who are you, Lord? And he said, as I the Lord Jesus Christ. He has this encounter. Now let me tell you, this is his journey. Well, if you know Jesus Christ, you all have had a journey and you've all had an encounter. If you know the Lord Jesus personally, you've had an encounter. There's this place where you said, I used to go this way, which is normally my own way, and I've chosen to let Jesus be the Lord of my life. He has this profound encounter. Little did he know what that meant. So because of that encounter, he became blind. He was instructed to go on. And uh, another brother who, in a dream, Ananias, in a dream, was told to go and pray for Paul. And he says, are we talking about the same Paul, Lord? You know that one, the Pharisee? And he goes, yeah. In the dream, he goes, it's the same one. I want you to go pray for him. And he's going, this does not make sense because this guy is anti-Christ. But he does it. And the scales, he gets prayed, and the scales come off of Paul. So that's Paul. That's who this one. When we refer to Paul, that is what we're talking. We're talking about a man who is highly educated in the Jewish law, law tradition. He was highly educated. He was also not only a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. And he spoke several languages. And God used that for him to move fairly freely around. And as you read Acts, you would know that. The book there in Colossians was a founded, Colossians was, a found, was founded as a Roman colony some hundred years before Christ. Some hundred years before Christ. And it was a port city. There was a lot going on, a lot of commerce going on. And so uh, Paul established this church, and now he's in... Ephesus and what is called his third missionary journey. I like calling it his third church planning journey. He's there in Ephesus and he pins this letter, 1 Corinthians. And he pins this letter to them in a way of not only instruction, but it's an endearing letter. Because his heart goes out to the church. He established a church. He spent time there. He wasn't just you know, trying to beat them up in a teacher and say, well, this is, you got everything wrong. What he's trying to say is, look, I'm so glad that you're still, still moving forward, but I want to help you with some of the things that you're doing that don't honor Christ. And let's, so let's talk about it. So he, so he, so Paul puts pen in hand and this is somewhere, in, you know, somewhere between 55 and 60 A.D., depending on who you read. But it's in there. And he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus. Just as he did for all the people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So he opens this up and says, I want to talk to 
you holy people. You're holy. Why? Because of Christ. It's not because your works. It's not because of, you know, you're rich or you give a lot of money or anything. It's because of who Jesus is. May God, this is a great prayer. May God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, give grace and peace to you. So he opens it up with this endearing thought. And the thought is Jesus. And he goes on, he says, you know, there's some divisions going on there. There, There's some things that I want to talk to you about. I want to give you, you know, fatherly, godly instruction that are are built up out of the word. You know, the, the bread of life, the door. The resurrection in the life. These aren't my thoughts. These aren't things that I just think is right. These are things that come out of who Jesus is and what he taught us and how he lived as an example. So there, that first section of of 1 Corinthians, he talks about being holy, which we'll talk about further as we move forward. He also talks about that we are a people that are set apart Meaning that we are a people that should let our light shine and shouldn't be under a bushel, as it says in Matthew 5. We are a people that are to be exposed to the elements around us, which every, it's, 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 we, we should be. Now, listen to this. This is an important statement. We should be a contradiction to the world standard. Does that make sense? We should be. Um. And we can be in Christ. And he talks about the grace of God, that unmerited favor. And the the excitement of the glory of of the expectation that one day Jesus has left this earth, but he's going to come back. And that we depend on God in the life of the community, in the life of of, of our body. And he would use language like, brothers, is Christ divided? He didn't take the opportunity because they talk about Apollos who was another follower of Christ. And, and Paul would say, we are here to help you. He, he, he empowered Apollos as you read through there. And we, he'll come up again. Christ is not divided. And then all through Corinthians, Paul is reminding the church who Christ is. That Christ is relentless towards people. That Christ has a plan. So he, Paul, as he puts pen in hand and he writes this, and as, as a, let's just move to chapter 2 of Corinth. And this is where we want to focus for a bit. He said, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't come with lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. He would also also say it this way, all I know is Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and timidity. In other words, he came as a humble servant. 
And he would go on in verse 8 and he said, and would say, But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified the glorious Lord. If they understood who Jesus truly was, he would have never have been placed on the cross. And we all know that was God's plan. But that is what the scripture means when it says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. A quote out of Isaiah. For those who love him. And so, you know, again, going back to the communion, because I think it's really kind of a hot thing with the Lord right now, is we're making a statement, Jesus, help me love the things you love and help me love myself. Right? Which is a big deal. Because we really don't know how to love well until we know how to love ourselves as Christ loves us. It's hard. He goes on to say in verse 10, But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Now, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, right? And remember, Remember, it says this in John 14, 15, 16. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He also said it in um, John 15. But as you talk, he says, Jesus said, I must go. I must go. And I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit to illuminate your hearts, to illuminate the word, to lead you, to guide you, and also bring the sense of conviction. He says, I send you my spirit. And that's who Paul was talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit in the midst of the community of faith. And I want to just take this sidebar right now and say this. Lord, we're grateful for your presence here and now. We acknowledge your presence right now. We acknowledge that your Holy Spirit is moving here touching us, speaking to us, encouraging us, and this is huge, and helping us. Because the Greek word literally means that, counselor and helper. The Greek word, parakletos. And so, so that you won't think there was another spirit, no one can know a person's thought except the the person's own, own spirit. And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. In other words, what he's saying here, the Holy Spirit reveals to us, illuminates to us, the heart of God. Right? The heart of God. Now there is something really cool here that uh, I know I have just enough time to put it out there. We receive God's spirit, not the spirit of the world. Right? And, and I hope we understand that there is a difference. Look, you do not have to be a spiritual giant to figure out there's a difference between God's spirit and the spirit of the world, right? If you're confused, if you have questions, I am here for you. Because we can talk about it. Go to a magazine rack. Tabloids are the spirit of the world. They think I'm more interested in somebody else's love life than I am God. Did he really say that? 
I'm just saying. I'm going to go on record, since I am on record, I'm not. But he's given us his spirit. He goes on to say, when we tell, the, when we tell, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from you, you, human wisdom. There's a conventional wisdom, and then there's a wisdom of Scripture. There's a wisdom of the heart of God. There is a wisdom that is beyond us that can only be revealed through Scripture, through the body, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We speak words given to us by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, using the, scripture, the, the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. In other words, let me just... I think it's a great, a great picture of what that looks like. Wisdom. A matter of fact, I believe Paul was thinking of this. And you can just, I'll read it, but you can just earmark it. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. And I'll just read it to us very quickly as the worship team comes forward. My children, listen My children, listen when your fathers correct you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instruction. For I too was once once my father's son, tenderly loved as a mother of the mother only, only, only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commandments and you will live. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn away from the instruction of Scripture. Don't turn your back on wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is found in Christ. Wisdom is found in the written word of God. Remember what he said? Going back to uh, Matthew 5, not nothing from my words. He, what he basically says is, I'm going to paraphrase it. My words will not fall to the ground. Okay? I'm paraphrasing. Daryl's paraphrase. That's the best it's getting. It won't get any longer than that. That's where I'm stopping. It will not fall to the ground. It's eternal. That's where wisdom comes from. Partially. Illumination from the Holy Spirit. Take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. That is so powerful. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. I would say this. Embrace the wisdom of the kingdom and judgment will follow. Good judgment will follow. And you might say, well, how do I get it? The the, the Proverbs goes on to say that in a multitude of counsel lies wisdom. Talk to people. Talk to people that have more, more experience in life than you are. Talk to people that you respect. Matter of fact, I would say this to you. You want want your life to change? 
hang out with people that have changed lives. Right? That's what I would say. If you prize wisdom, cherish it, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a loving wealth on your head. She will present with you a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me. And I will listen to me and I do, do as I say. Listen to me and do as I say. And you will have a long life, a good life. I teach you wisdom's ways and I lead you in straight path. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions and don't let them go. Guard them, for they are a key to life. For they are a key to life. We're talking about the illumination of Scripture in our heart. We're talking about being lifelong learners. Am I, am I connecting here? Because this is important. This is so important to all of us. And I want to say this. I, I, just, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is able to guide our, our, our paths. The Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important that all of us, all of us, read the Word of God. This is why it's so important. I would suggest that you find, and you can go online, you can fi- find a, Bible, a Bible reading program. And what I also would say is, read the New Testament. And now, I love a lot of the allegories from the Old Testament. I live uh, from the Old Testament, pardon me. Allegories from the Old Testament. For a matter of fact, the new song we sang today, read Isaiah 43. That's what those words are, are relating to. You are with me. You went through the river with me. Isaiah 43. I love the allegories. I love, it stirs me up. I live in the New Testament. It's my instruction. It's what helps me love people, love God. It is a New Testament. I model my life. And that's what I like about Paul. Paul is always uplifting Jesus. Always. That's what I love. And that's why he's such a, you know, you, he, he wrote half of the epistles. You know that. Some would say, I believe he wrote 13 of them because I I believe Hebrews is written by somebody else, but I'd never argue that point. But I think Barnabas is a good candidate. Um, So, there you go. Anyway, so we're going to take our offering. It's a great time to put your Connect card in the offering bag. And uh, I want to just go on record to say, as, uh, as as Jesus, Jacob said last week, we're just a community-supported church, and we are grateful for your commitment to us. We're grateful for your sacrifice, because I know that you know giving is a sacrifice, especially outside of your normal budget and those kinds of things. We get it. We understand. Um, and the other thing is, too, as, I, as I'm just taking this break, we're going to have the 10th, which I believe is next Sunday, we're going to have on this card... We have what we, we, we call to uh, meet and greet, get to know each other. It's going to be right after church. We're going to host a lunch. We want you to be able to ask questions who we are. Uh, it'll be upstairs in the, what we call the Cambodian Church Sanctuary. It'll be up there right after church on the 10th. Uh, and then also, 
Uh, Lisa and I, we're going to start our, our Bible study this week, this Wednesday, again, upstairs in the Cambodian room. So you go in there and you go up the elevator and it's that door right there directly in front of you. There's a sign there. We, we will be there. We're going to be doing, going through the book of Colossians. Really cool book. I'm excited about it. So um, that starts at seven. And if you have youth, bring them because we do youth at the same time. So there you go. As we sing this last song together, I want to remind you once again that Jesus is relentless for all of us. He's relentless for his church. He's relentless towards those that don't know him. He's relentless. He's committed. And he never stops. He's here for you now. And uh, the idea of wisdom, everybody, you know, You know, it says that those who ask the Lord receive. That's a promise. Maybe you haven't asked for God's guidance. Maybe you haven't asked for wisdom. Maybe you haven't asked for direction. There's an encouraging word for you. He has a plan. And he's very concerned. He's very focused on you right now. Would you stand with me, please? Now, we, we have those that love to pray for people, and they'll be up here um, as we finish up or during, during the song, and you can come. But I want to encourage you that there is an encouraging word for you. Many of our, our ministry team people have the ability to say, I believe that God has this for you. I believe that God would want to encourage you this way. Oh, you know, as I'm praying for you, I, I receive this scripture. Does that make any sense to you? Receive from the Lord. Open yourselves up. Take a risk. Step out and say, Lord, I have nowhere else to go except for you. You have the words of life for me.